0: the cost that was necessary to be called Lord. And so we recognize that in the name of Jesus. So Lord, we want you to speak to us. We want you to speak to us from the volume of the book today in the name of Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord. Now be God in our lives. name of Jesus. Be God in our lives and in our situations. Do the thing that only you as God can do for us. And for this, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in the name of Jesus. Now say this with me, Heavenly Father, your word says, if I lack wisdom, I should ask you in faith, without wavering, and that you would give it, liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom, and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus, that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting Amen. Now say this with me. I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Just want to acknowledge those of you that are with us online. I pray that uh, this, uh, this time Um, is uh, a blessing to you. Certainly, we're coming out of the season of Thanksgiving that nationally, we here in the United States of America um, have set aside a season for national Thanksgiving. But as we learned here on our Thursday service, every day is a day of Thanksgiving. Um, I tell people that uh, Thanksgiving or gratitude is the password to the presence of God enter his gates with thanksgiving so gratitude is the password to the presence of god right you got you got certain key things that's encrypted protected you have to use certain passwords and so we are certainly thankful to god for you we certainly want you encourage you to like us share use all of the social media information that's there available to you, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram so that you can stay current with Destiny Generation Church, all right? Our series is Experiencing Increase Through Faith, and that's what we'll talk about today. Uh, We've been talking about this series about, um, first of all, we started with unleashing the increase of faith. Now we're talking about experiencing increase through faith. And we've been talking about it from a family perspective. We've talked about it from a healing and deliverance perspective. But today, in preparation for our upcoming leadership conference, I'm going to talk about experiencing increase through faith in your personal leadership development. In your personal leadership development. I want you to understand that God considers you wherever you are right now to be a leader. And so you have to apply faith to who you are personally so that you can maximize your own personal leadership. All right? And so I don't, uh, I want to make sure um, that when the generals that we're bringing, and this is an A-list group that we are bringing here to teach us about taking our leadership to the next level. Listen, you could go into a conference and with the list of speakers that I have here, they, they would charge you thousands of dollars to come to a conference like this if we was paying retail. All right. Um, and sometimes, you know, you don't know the value of something, so you don't take it the right way. Um, one time, um, I took my daughter Ruby and uh, my nephew, Minister John, and we went out to St. Louis. And we went to sit down with a African-American Christian billionaire with the B. And um, so I calculated for them what an hour of his time is worth. So that they would understand, um, I don't want y'all to go in there like half cocked. I mean, you coming in there for that kind of leader, you need to be prepared. And so my intention today is to talk to you and I about leadership so that when the level of leaders that we have coming from this conference are here, you're already primed and ready to go. Now, the people coming from the outside might have to get themselves together, might have to get their head in the game. We don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. So your pastor is working to make sure that you're prepared appropriately to to hear from and receive from the level of gifts we're bringing in here so that you maximize the harvest in your own life. All right? So last week, We saw that God sent Gabriel to Mary with the prophetic word, and then he sent her to her leadership mentor, Elizabeth. Well, in our case, both the Gabriel and the Elizabeth have been sent to us. Y'all don't have to go nowhere, y'all know how to get here in Jesus' name, you don't have to get on a plane like, your pastor believe in planes, trains, and automobiles. I'll go, if I find the right person, I will go anywhere on the planet to get to them. You understand what I'm saying? Because see, I understand what happens when my leadership level gets lifted to another level. I'm able to do stuff I couldn't do before. So I will go all the way around the planet if necessary for the right leader. But you don't have to go nowhere. We brought the right leaders to you. And so I'm just working to make sure that you're prepared when they get here and that, that we have a house full of expectation that makes them easy to deposit the load that God puts in them for us. All right. So here's our four objectives um, for this series to challenge you. Number one, to apply the force of faith to problems, promises, situation and complications, believing God for manifestation beyond your imagination and expectation. Right. God, Zachariah had a certain expectation. God met it and then raised it up with John the Baptist. Number two, to illuminate power keys and principles that I've learned in my own life and seen in the life of my mentors and spiritual leaders. And we'll have a different level of mentor spiritual leader here who can then speak to us about keys from their own lives as well. Three, to embolden you to release your faith for the illogical, inconceivable, and what is naturally impossible, such that God is free to move in amazing ways to bring his purpose to pass in your life. And then finally, to highlight nuances of applying the faith process in various areas of maximum for, for maximum destiny fulfillment. But there are nuances in various areas that you have to understand about applying faith to that area. It's not that the faith process don't work, it's just sometimes there's little keys if you're applying faith in this area that's different from applying faith in that area. Yeah. What do you mean? Give me an example, Pastor David. Well, I can get healed by myself, I can get in the Word and take, uh, Posse Cuts called it taking the gospel pill, <laughs> the gospel pill, you know, like meditating the word three times a day, just like you taking medicine three times a day, right? And so I can do that by myself, but to, for me to get financially blessed, somebody else gonna have to be involved because generally money don't just generally fall out of heaven. God's got to give me favor with people. And then I've got to learn how to turn that favor into money or to monetize favor. All right. And so sometimes that kind of thing takes time. All right. So let me give you a nuance here today about leadership, about experiencing the increase through faith for your personal leadership development. One of the keys that I wanna share with you today is that leadership is very personal, but it's never completely private. Leadership, when you think about your own leadership, is very personal. You have to decide that you can be a leader. That's very personal. I wish I could get in your head and help you stir up the leadership capacity that's within you. But I can prompt you and poke you, I can cajole you, I can encourage you, I can critique you, I can make you angry, I can make you upset, I can make you irritated, but nobody can get you up off your do nothing but you. Leadership is personal. So God, when he was looking for leaders, he always sought for specific persons. Ezekiel 2230 in our scripture, that's not for the list. Just write it down. That's on our, our list for this year. I sought for a man among them. I sought for a specific person. Leadership is personal. You have to decide that you can be one. Right, God sought for Adam, and Adam decided he couldn't be that leader. He sought for Noah and Noah's generation to lead. He sought for Moses. He sought for David. But just so that you don't think that leaders are only male, he also sought for Deborah. He saw it for Miriam. We saw in the earlier part of this series that he saw it for Mary, and that pound for pound, Mary rose to leadership better than Zacharias, even though Zacharias had the position and the title. He also saw Mary Magdalene when them apostles were hiding to tell her to go tell them that I have risen from the dead. So leadership is something that's very personal, but it's not private, all right? Um, So the other nuance of real leadership is that you have to face your own personal identity crisis privately and achieve private significance before you achieve public success. You've got to face your own demons in private before you get out in public. Because if I put you in a public leadership responsibility and your private demons aren't dealt with, then you'll make a mess publicly because you didn't deal with stuff privately. That's why Moses had to ask the Lord, why do you want to send me? I'm not eloquent. I stutter. He had to deal with his own private demon, his own private self-consciousness before he could move into public leadership. All right? Gideon said, I'm the least in my family, and my family is a part of the smallest tribe in all of Israel. Why do you want to make me a leader? All right? Even Jesus had to deal with the voices in his head. In the wilderness, those voices said, if you are the son of God. Even Jesus had to deal with his own identity crisis. So you're going to have to, if you're going to rise and be a leader, you're going to have to deal with your own personal identity crisis before God puts you up into public success. That's a nuance of the leadership that we deal with, all right? Another nuance of leadership in this area is that you have to be delivered from the people God is sending you to lead. david when david said i'm willing to rise up to challenge goliath his older brother his oldest brother said you look little knucklehead naughty boy you got them few little sheep in the wilderness why don't you just go home he was what is he saying this is man stuff stop going back and play with them boys So, you have to be delivered from the people God sends you to, or you'll never be fit to be a leader. Joseph, brothers, imprisoned and enslaving him just for having a dream about being a leader. He hadn't even done nothing yet. He just had a dream of leadership, and his dream scared them. you can't share your leadership dream with everybody you need to deal with your stuff don't don't expose your baby before it's ready right right you gotta let you know right you gotta let that baby stay in private for a while and get healthy before you start bringing them out with all of the germs that's in public i'm talking about your leadership now right Because if you share your dream too soon before you have firmly established your identity, people will attack you and you will walk away from God's dreams because of people's perspectives when he wanted to deliver you from them so that you could be delivered to help them. I was thinking about this in my own life and I have this key statement that God gave me. It came out of a statement that Jesus told Paul when he called him to, to ministry. Put up that on the screen. I wrote this five days before I became your pastor in my journal. This was, this was something God was dealing with me about when I was getting ready to be ordained as your senior pastor. And it says, there is a private problem and a secret sin that the Lord identified in my consecration period. It is more dangerous than drugs, more sinister than sex, and more manipulative than money. It is the sin that so easily besets preachers and is for me the thing that I have sought the Lord about. It is the first area Jesus commented on during his inaugural address to the great apostle Paul. It is to be delivered from the people God sends you to. If you don't get delivered from the people God sends you to help, then you will let their opinion sway you from doing for them what God has for you to do for them. And then they will be your leader, not you be their leader. And so the apostle Paul said, heard Jesus say, I am delivering you from the people and the Gentiles to whom I'm going to send you. You've got to be delivered from them to be sent to them. If not, you'll never be good to God and you'll never be good to people. Oh, that's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, that is. That's some for real, for real stuff. Because when they say something you don't like and then they hurt your feelings and then you go home and so you can't help them because they hurt you. so that's the nuance you don't get that right then you'll carry your feelings on your sleeve and you ain't gonna never be good for nothing and the devil know that all he got to do to put you back is in your box is to get somebody to get you in your feelings That's a nuance, because if we don't get that right, then every time somebody come out, and some people mean bad, some people don't, but it's all about you and your feelings. You're, gonna, you're the one that's gotta grow up. You're the one that's got to get over because God didn't call them to do what he called you to do. So, this is that's a real important thing. If you don't get that right, a bunch of stuff goes wrong. All right, our scripture for today 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 18. And it says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. A sphere is a circle of influence. It's, it's like a globe, but it's not the globe as the world. It's the world that you live in and the world that he made you to have influence within. That's what it's talking about. All right. Verse 14, for we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure. That is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. Our hope in ministry is that as your faith is increased, we shall be enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Seven quick points from 2 Corinthians 10, 12 through 18. Number one, your leadership journey to destiny is a one-person obstacle course. I'm not trying to outrun you. I'm just trying to run to be the best me I can be for me. It's a one-person race, but I've got to overcome my own obstacles. i got to overcome my own hurdles. I press towards the mark for the prize. Run the race that's set before me. I got to deal with my own demons to achieve my destiny. So comparisons to others to either congratulate or condemn is not wise. All right. If I compare myself to you and I think I'm better because I check out where you are and then I think I'm better. Or if I compare myself to you and think I'm worse because I'm not as good as you, then both of those are not wise. Right? When it comes to money, people always compare themselves with people that got more, not less. They always want to say, man, I'm, you know, so-and-so is this, man. I wish I had what they had. But other people, if they had your left hand, they throw both of their hands away. And then I listen to some of them, and if I let them, they'll talk me out of what I'm doing right, so I'll be down with them, broke, busted, and disgusted. Does that make sense? All right, so comparisons, either to congratulate so I can feel better about myself looking at somebody, or where I condemn myself, saying, I wish my marriage was like, pastor, stop that. Listen, you better go home and deal with that brother you got at your house. I'm just saying. I am high maintenance. If nobody can say, man, Lady Nedra can. you better you better deal with what God give you. Yeah, I, I know. Like, listen, when I'm trying to get this stuff together to come to y'all, I get irritated by the smallest thing. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get this stuff together. I mean, things irritate me. Preachers, y'all know what I'm talking about. You're trying to get the word out, and then the alarm, just the TV going off in the other room bug you, right? So you can't, that's why we gotta stop comparing ourselves. You don't even know if you can walk in the shoes that other people got. You gotta run your own race. You gotta stay in your own lane. Dr. Foster often calls it the mutual admiration club. People sitting around just congratulating themselves within their own little bubble. He called it mean girls rules. We all in our little clique and our little bubble and we all feel good about each other and we just trade compliments with each other. That's not, that's not real ministry and certainly not real leadership. Number two, God assigns every leader a sphere of influence. This is especially true of leaders within ministry. The Apostle Paul said that I am within a sphere of influence. God gave me a certain circle, and I am in the circle God assigned to me. I can sit around wishing I was T.D. Jakes. I don't, but, you know, there was a time, like, back in the day, I just wish I was, like, Kenneth Copeland's son, Creflo's son. I just figured if, I had a, if my daddy had a megachurch, then it would be easy for me. Now, that's just me. I know that ain't even what you want. Don't hate, my, don't hate what I want because it's not what you want. But I still had to come to the reality that I was somebody's son. I'm a son of God. And he decided where he wanted to put me. And so I had to learn to play within the area he put me and play that area to win. All right. Number three, the sphere of influence includes an existing group of people. The apostle Paul said that the sphere of influence came to you to this place where they were in Corinth and included that congregation in Corinth. All right. Number four, you have to stay in your lane and work your leadership assignment within that lane, within your sphere, among your people. Stop wishing you were someplace else doing something else for some other group of people. I want to be someplace else doing something else for someone else. Stop that. If God sent you here, learn to live in the skin that you're in and play the thing he called you to do, but play it to win, man. Man, I, I can't. I can't take vacation like Pastor David. Can you go to? Can you go? You know, to Fenton. If you can't go to Florida, can you go to Detroit? If you can't go to Dubai, I'm just saying. Learn to play where you are. Stop. Don't get yourself in debt trying to be somebody else. Play with with what he gave you to play with. Number five, you can either wish you had the hand that others have or work the hand God gave you. Listen, part of you understanding your personal leadership is understanding the thing that God put in your hand. The Lord asked Moses, Mo, what's in your hand? What? I just got this little stick. God is saying, hold it. Don't just say it's a little stick. I can do supernatural things with the thing I gave you. Put it down. And all of a sudden, that one thing that he had was starting to do miracle power because he believed that there was a leader on the inside of him. Everybody had to find what was that great thing that God gave them. For Joseph, it was his ability to dream. For Moses, it was his rod. For David, it was his slingshot and his ability to worship. Everybody had to figure out that there was something that they already have in their sphere that can open up the supernatural for them. You got something, but I can't tell you what it is. You got to discover it. I realize that I can teach on an international level What I'm giving you, I could do in a church of 10,000. But it took me a while to figure out that I didn't have to try to be somebody else. I could just play in my own lane. But I figured it out. And you got to figure it out, too. Number six, the minister's hope is that as the faith of the people of God increases, they will help him reproduce the ministry in other areas, thus enlarging his sphere of influence. I have to sit my happy self down with all of the global teaching that's inside of me and wait for y'all to get y'all act together. Now, I don't know how to say it more nicer, but that's really the truth. I can have all of this dream, all of this vision, and all of this capability, and I can't get off of Hammond Avenue. Now, I can sit around and be fussing and cussing with y'all like some preachers do, but I ain't doing that. Because that's not going to help me neither. I'm going to just keep working it and keep believing. And develop a picture that your faith is going to increase, your leadership, your personal leadership capacity is going to increase, and then you're going to go around and reach more people, and then we're going to grow, and then we're going to go. All right. So when we bring these kind of leaders here, these people, they have done that. The people that I'm bringing here to you this coming weekend have done that. They have Man I I know Doc Barkley's stories, man. I know his stories. He tells them to me. He tells me about the time he brought a preacher in a car And um, the car had so much rust that snow was on the inside of it. He tells me the stories. But here he is in Midland doing an international ministry in 30 plus countries where he oversees churches. From Midland, Michigan, in the middle of Podunk Nowhere, USA. And for all you Midland people, I still love you. I ain't mad at you. But I realized that he didn't have to go to Dallas or LA or New York or Nashville or some other place where people think that churches can really grow. That God could do his assignment once his people took hold on him or the vision that that God took him further with that same group of people in that same small city. All right? But we're not coming here to sit around and wonder and wish we had what God did for them. We're here to learn what He wants to do with us so that we can take that grace in our assignment and go to the next level with us, with God using us, right? And as they are sent to us, we want to receive some measure of the grace on their lives, upon our church and its life. Amen. Finally, number seven, being increased this way is undeniable proof that the hand of God is affirming your ministry. When he does, it's it's right to rejoice in it. That's why the scripture says, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. He who commends himself is not approved. It's not enough for me to pat myself on the back. You ever tried to pat yourself on the back? Your, Your arm don't go all the way back far enough. But there is a sign that God puts on a ministry that he's putting his hand on it and slapping them on the back. I want to do leadership in the sphere that God gives me to the point that heaven says, I'm going to have to help this boy out. I'm going to have to do something to get more people in front of him and to get him in front of more people. All right. That's what we're believing for. Um, remember our prophetic impressions. I got three prophetic impressions. I want to remind you of number one, we said that there's a grace on destiny generation church and our members and partners to be a lighthouse within our region. We let our light shine, allowing men to see God works and glorify the father Two, We said that God is raising us up as an embassy, a place where ambassadors gather, right? So we're going to have not only our church, but a bunch of leaders coming here. This weekend so I want us to know how to host people right and so that's that's the thing that God wants to do in our ministries to have us be a place where people can come and get us get get insight on how to go back and do the thing God created them to do in their sphere of influence Number three, this is the key one for us. This is the one I'm believing for, for each and every person under the sound of my voice here that's a part of our active functioning membership. God is gracing the maturing, not grown, but growing, aligned believer to multiply, to evangelize, to follow up, disciple, and oversee. You are commanded, commissioned, and empowered. Leverage your position among them to call them out of darkness into the marvelous light. So my question is, did you invite more people this last week than you have done before? Okay. All right. Now, one plants, another waters, God gives increase. Your job is to not stop when the first person hurts your feelings and tells you no. You're supposed to ask them, are you the one or shall I seek another? So you spread the word and keep it moving. All right. That's my challenge to you, all right? Now, my expectation is, because you are a leader, and particularly if you call to the ministry, that God's going to give you some fruit of the ministry that's in you. Amen. That's why Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Yes. Make full proof of your ministry. Yes. And what, what is he saying? Like, Like, you can teach... But Satan got teachers too. You can prophesy, but Satan got false prophets. You can shepherd, but there's false shepherds. You can apostle, but there's false apostles. But you'll never find that there were this thing called false evangelists because the devil gets no benefit for you taking somebody out of the world and getting them into the body of Christ. So he never creates a false one of those what he does is he tries to get us to stay in amongst ourselves and he brings false people, wolves in sheep clothing to be amongst us. So there is proof when you get somebody that's not saved, save and get them brought in. There is undeniable proof that God is with you because the devil don't do that. So if you, if you want to prove to me that you really got ministry in you don't do it when you stand up here, do it when you're out there with somebody that don't know Jesus. Get that person saved. Then I know you really got some Holy Ghost in you. All right? So um, I got some definitions of leadership. You know, on our wall there, we have seven pillars. I call them the seven ships on which this church rides. But as I was doing that kind of ministry... As I was looking at that, writing that stuff down, I read the list one day, and God said that there's an eighth one, right? The seventh there, and you see them on the screen behind me, on the board behind me, worship, discipleship, fellowship, stewardship, entrepreneurship, workmanship, and partnership. Those seven ships is what God gave me. On our wall, I have extended definitions of that. But as I was meditating that, God gave me an eighth one called leadership. Let me give you the definition that he has there for me for leadership. Show that on the screen. This is our vision, pillar definition of leadership. Leadership is living a life of vision from God, value to others, and velocity of good works in your generation. Leadership is living a life of vision from God. Vision where God shows you a picture of your purpose. That's vision from God. Value to others is where your life makes difference to other people. And velocity of good works. What's velocity? Velocity is going a certain distance in a certain amount of time. Right? You're traveling 70 miles per hour. I'm going a certain distance in a certain amount of time. That's what velocity is. So the question is, is there a velocity of good works that you're doing in your generation? Pastor David, why do you work so hard on your your messages? Because I'm trying to get a certain amount of works done in my generation, and I only got a certain amount of time to do it. Jesus said it this way, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day, because night is coming and no man can work. Okay? Um. So then you have to, as a leader, you live in a tension where God shows you a great vision finished, and then you have to go back and start it, and you have to live with the tension of, I see this thing finished, but I'm at the start, and sometimes the people that I'm sent to help aren't helping me get the vision done. Listen, every leader deals with that. That's not personal to you. Stop getting mad with the people God sent you to. He sent them you to them because they needed you to be the leader. So you don't get mad with them because they need leadership. That's why I don't. I can't spend all my time fussing at y'all. I can't do that. That's not good leadership. Y'all can fuss at me, and God'll let you get away with. Moses struck the rod one time, and God said, "Listen, you ain't even going to the Promised Land." God, I mean, I thought I was your boy. But He always puts more on the leader than the people that He He sends that that person to lead. All right, here's a longer definition. This is a Miles Monroe definition. Show that on the screen. Leadership is the capacity to influence others through inspiration you need to take a picture of this one. <laughs> generated by passion, Let's, let me say it again. Leadership is the capacity to influence others through inspiration, generated by passion, motivated by a vision, brought by a conviction, and produced by a purpose. Leadership occurs when you, by your actions and attitudes, are able to secure the commitment of others to a worthwhile cause. Dr. Miles definition was so good, I couldn't improve on it. So I just said, I need to just adopt that one, just take that one just like it is. All right. Now let's look at the key words in our definition. So there we say leadership is influence, inspiration, passion, vision, conviction, and purpose. Go on to my next slide. All right, so let's deal with those in reverse purpose. Purpose is the original intent. The reason someone or something was created. Conviction is belief in significance. That's why you have to struggle with how you see yourself. If you can't, if you don't see yourself as a leader, you will always be following. All right. And you'll be following people you should be leading. Conviction is belief in in, in significance, a belief that your life matters and what God wants me to do is important to his plan for the planet. Vision is purpose and picture, a picture of a desired or preferred future. Passion, passion is a desire stronger than death, something worth living for and, if necessary, worth dying for. All right, inspiration inspiration is the generating of meaning in others when others see your passionate pursuit of purpose and feel within it that what you are pursuing makes their own life make sense people should feel like when they're in your presence that there was a certain key in their life that has been unlocked you should your prayer for people Your kind words should make somebody's life make sense. I felt like my life was going crazy. Nothing made sense. But when I talk with you, somehow things that didn't make sense make sense now. All right? That's inspiration. Influence. Influence is submission to the authority of another. When you voluntarily yield your authority to the direction of another person's authority. Right? You don't want a thing where you got to, you know, that's why I always challenge husbands. If you're running around the house and I wear the pants in this family, you might not. What you want to have is a level of influence that causes people to want to submit to follow you, not that you're making them to do it. You have formal authority, but you aren't supposed to pull it out every day. All right, I say your authority should be more like a pocket watch than a wristwatch. A wristwatch is one that everybody sees. A pocket watch says, "I got it," and if I and if necessary, I will pull it out and tell you the time. I'm not the leader because I'm standing up here on the stage. I'm leading when I'm sitting down. I can can clean the toilet and still be the leader of the church. If I have the influence that other people submit to, then I am the leader. All right? Then leadership then is corporate commitment to a cause. When you truly influence people, you don't have to call yourself the leader. They call you the leader. <sighs> There's a lot of title holders that are masquerading as leaders, but they're not the real deal. All right? Two biblical words here to talk about leadership. The first one is proesteimai. It's the word in Romans 12, 8, when it talks about he that rules, let him rule with diligence. This word here means to stand before as a compelling example. That tells you to be a good example is hard work. Listen, for me to live at home in a way that I'm confident that if other men in my congregation just treated their wives like I treat Nedra, then their home would be okay. That's a lot of hard work for me. He that stands before as an example must stand before with diligence. Instead so of telling people what to do, you should be a compelling example that makes them want to do what you've done. That's leadership. There's another Greek word, for leadership. So the second one is the word Kubernetes. It's the word that's in First Corinthians 12, 28 translated governments. That Greek word literally means to steer a ship. Sometimes you just got to know that it's time to drive. Like there are times when you got the, the pocket watch that you do need to pull it out and say, I'm the leader. So everybody wanna go a bunch of different ways. I think we should do this, I think we should do that. Then that's time for me to put my foot down and say, as far as the church goes, this is what we're going to do. I'm not gonna sit around and then us all sweat and then everybody gets equal equal ability to make a decision and then God gonna ask me about it when we done. Listen, I love everybody in my family, but I tell Lady Nigel, listen, if I'm the person he going to ask for first, Adam, where are you? Then I get the final decision. Now, I don't do that all the time. If you got to do it all the time, then you might not be the one with the real leadership. But if you can't do it when it needs to be done, then you're not ready for the assignment. Don't abdicate it and then blame her, this wife, guy you gave me. So it's God's fault and her fault. Okay, when it's time to be the leader, then you do the job. And you're unapologetic about it. Here, sometimes you need to steer the ship. All right, go on to the next slide. Leadership is central to our world. Nothing happens without leadership. Nothing succeeds without leadership. Nothing is transformed without leadership. Nothing develops without leadership. Nothing advances without leadership, nothing improves without leadership, and nothing is corrected without leadership. And remember, and I'll just quote this one for your, for your benefit, remember our teachings from Genesis 1, 26 through 29, that God said, I'm going to make man in my image and likeness and give that man dominion. So that means the picture of your leadership capacity is God himself you're supposed to lead on earth like God leads in heaven and listen in heaven God is a benevolent dictator he's benevolent God is love that by definition is benevolent but he dictates what goes on in that sphere Jesus is Lord okay So getting vision and then being willing to to put yourself on that and go forward is a picture that you should have of yourself. Finding ways to see things that need to be done and you assume the authority and take the the leadership responsibility to, to go forward in that area, all right? I can't do that. What if they, see your picture is wrong. What if they don't like it? What if they get mad? What if this, what if that, what if that? See, your picture is wrong. That's an image issue. And you got to fix that. What if they don't like it? So what? What if they reject it? So what? You're still the leader. Jesus made a hard statement and multitudes left him by the thousands. And he looked at the 12 disciples, said, y'all going, you going to? He wasn't going to change his ministry because people walked out on him. He was no less Messiah when they walked out than when they came. So you have to be okay being the leader and having a solid self-image that can't be manipulated by the moods of people. All right, eight key thoughts on leadership. I'm gonna run through this list and then we're done. All right, number one, Managers have maps, leaders only get a compass. Yeah, managers have maps, right? They, the, the, the area is already charted and they can just go forward in the area that's charted. But when you're a leader, you don't even know. You just know we need to go in this direction. You don't know how it's gonna work out. You just generally know a direction that you need to go into and you got to walk in the light that you have and he will give you more light on the journey. That's why his word is a lamp to your feet before it becomes a light to your path, All right. That's why you never determine the size of your dream, vision or destiny by what you know right now because he gonna give you more light on the journey. Number two, leaders rise in times of crisis, challenge and critical change, All right? Don't choke on game day, Wolverines. Yeah, I'm feeling some kind of way. I'm still in my emotions. I took every one. I was talking big smack before the game, and then I got smacked down with my team. Don't choke on the game day. I'm going to listen to Uncle Buck in in a little while. I know he got something to say. It's my brother-in-law in in Jesus' name. I ain't mad at him because I would have been talking big smack if we had won myself, so I ain't mad at nobody, all right? Proverbs 24.10, look at this, Proverbs 24.10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you choke on game day, look at it in the message. If you fall to pieces in a crisis... There wasn't much to you in the first place. Woo. So you aren't who you are when everything's going right. You are who you are when everything's going wrong. So you choose to be a leader before, because it's hard to build a house in a hurricane. All right. Number three, leaders engage in the difficult to produce the desirable. Leaders engage the, in the difficult to produce what is desirable. Look at Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let, let us lay aside every weight, And the sin which so easily ensnares us, that's the obstacle, the obstacle course, and let us run the endurance with endurance, the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, he engaged the difficulty to produce the desirable despising the shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You must keep your eyes on the prize. You must see something and that something must be so desirable that you're willing to do what is difficult to get it. When you see something that's worth you doing something difficult to produce the desirable, you are a leader. All right. Number four, leaders become who they need to be to empower others to become who they need to be. Look at John seventeen nineteen. This is Jesus speaking. Right. And he said, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Jesus became in order to save humanity. He made irrevocable change. He can't go back to who he was before he took on that body. He was a spirit as much as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are spirits. But he put on a permanent change and put on a body and your body, even if your body is sick now, when you get to heaven and get your glorified body, your body going to be healed. It won't have any evidence of the pain you went through. But his body still carries the thorn, thorn marks on his head, still have the prince in his side, still to have where they speared him, where, where he put nails in his hands and feet. He made permanent change so that you could become who You he wanted you to be. That's real leadership. All right. So be what you need to be when you need to be it. Understand what is required in the specific situation that you're in and be that. Well, I mean, I know the church needs to grow, but I'm shy. Stop it. Be what you need to be when you need to be it. I know my wife like to hear me tell her how much I love her, but I'm not that emotional. Stop it. Be what you need to be when you need to be it. I know my kids need, they need love and affirmation and affection, but my daddy didn't give me none. Stop it. Be what you need to be when you need to be it. Stop putting on others. Your failure to be the leader. Just be what you need to be when you need to be it. Number five, leaders think through their own personal commitments, motivations, standards, and morals. They are self-motivated and goal-directed. All right? Leaders don't sit around waiting for everybody to go with them. Listen. I was gonna preach this message if nobody showed up today I have preached to empty rooms and people came in hearing point number four (laughs) now why is that important because I'm the leader of nobody show up I have to manage my own personal commitment my own personal motivation and I can't, let, I can't let whether you fickle today determine whether or not I'm going to be in faith. Stop saying, he made me mad. Stop that. You're letting that person and their poor behavior be your leader. You got to, leader. See, this is when I talk about it's personal, but it's never private. I have to make personal decisions. That this is who I am. This is how I live. As for me and my house, right? That's what Joshua said. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. All right? So that's Philippians 3, 12 through 15. I'll let you go home and read it. But he said, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. As many as are mature, let them have that same kind of mindset. A mature leader is self-motivated and goal-oriented. Number six, leaders do natural things for supernatural reasons. This is Joshua 1, 6 and 7, where it says, be strong and of a good courage. Right. This is Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Set your affections on things above. That's natural. Having affections is natural, but you put it on something supernatural. Right. So God gives you some natural ability to have strength, courage and focus. But you apply that for supernatural reasons. All right. Number seven. Leaders, leadership happens when the appropriate person assumes the position, adopts the perspective, adapts the personality, acknowledges the priorities, and achieves the productivity of a leader. I'm gonna leave that one on the screen for a minute because that's an important one. So, what that one's on the screen, let me talk to you about it. The leader is when the appropriate person who is the appropriate person, the person who, when God says who will go for us, They say, send me, I'll go. You're appropriate when you sign up to do the difficult so that God's work is advanced in your sphere of influence. All right? Now, don't confuse assuming the position with the title. The worst thing you can do is give an immature person a title. Just look at our president, in Jesus' name. If you're going to take that pulpit and make it a bully pulpit and bully people and bully the press, whether you agree with him or disagree with him, it clearly he's taken out his immaturity and, and that office only amplifies who he is as a person. That's what happens when you give an immature person a title. All right they will destroy more people than they help. They will work to enslave people, not to empower them, right? Adopter perspective is because a leader sees further than everybody else. One of the biblical definitions of leader is a person who sees further, overseer. Overseer means they can see beyond people. They see the invisible so that they can do the impossible, right? That's adopter perspective. Adopter personality is you come out of your cell to fulfill your service. That's what Jesus did. All right? Acknowledges the priorities. Leaders recognize you can't do everything all at once, so they choose the first thing to be done even when others don't acknowledge it or agree with it. And they achieve the productivity because leaders get results. They make things happen, they don't make excuses. They make it happen, they don't make excuses. If you're a leader, you gotta make it happen, Captain. Don't just sit around making excuses, right? Some people think they're leaders, they're just journalists. This is what happened and they write down what happened instead of what they made happen, right? They're just news reporters. They get, they get There's a crowd already moving and then they stand and they jump to the front of the line. That's not leadership. Crowds already move in that direction. All you did was just jump in front of them, right? And then finally, finally, number eight, leaders learn from greater leaders than themselves. This is about our leadership conference. That's Mary going to see an Elizabeth, right? I have learned that if I sit and learn from leaders, who are greater than me, I submit to their lessons and sow into their lives and leadership responsibilities, God causes some of the grace on their lives to come up on me from my own sphere of influence. That's why you sow into your pastor. That's why you sow into other ministries and ministers. That's why we're going to sow into the ministries that come into this house. Because some of what they have learned will come on me and help me in the thing God's called me to do. That's why we do it. Come on, let's stand. My prayer as we come up to our leadership conference is that you personally grow in leadership in a way that helps our church to rise up as a light of leadership in our region that brings about transformation. Did this bless you today? Hallelujah. Go ahead and clap then. Man, one of the biggest revelations of my life was Dr. Miles Monroe. He said, everyone is born to lead. You were born to lead. You're not trying to become a leader. You were created a leader. But just like when we talk about destiny, that seed of leadership in you has to be cultivated to emerge into the leadership capacity that you have. It won't happen automatically on its own. The world system and its satanic overlord is expert at making you follow the wrong thing that leads to your destruction. And so you have to be willing on purpose to live above and beyond. You have to be able to do the mundane, the small thing, the insignificant thing in a magnificent way. That's what Martin Luther King said, if you are a street sweeper, sweep that street as if Michelangelo was painting his masterpiece. It doesn't mean a title some people think when I become X, then I'll be a leader. If you're not a leader now, having the position X will just make you worse, not better. So I want you to believe, God, that there are people that you can influence and you can change their life. I want you to live in your own sphere of influence like a superhero. People ask me like, they come and see my picture with the Black Panther thing or me wearing my Black Panther watch. Why do I do stuff like that? Because I imagine myself as a hero king that's fighting to save my people. Now that's just my head, but it's my motivation. Whatever motivates you to do what you do, you should do it too. Don't hate on what motivates me because it don't motivate you. It's personal. It's personal. You have to be willing though, to be what God has called you to be. God has an amazing plan for each and every one of us. He put his plan together before the world began, before any problem, habit, mistake or misfortune overtook your life. That plan includes you personally rising and having a sphere of influence of leadership. So often we try to get our act together before we come to the Lord. The reality is that we can't get our act together. That's why each and every one of us needs to come to the Lord. So while our heads are bowed, eyes closed, believers are praying. If you'd like to be the man, the to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I love to be the the man of God that leads you through the process. It's very simple. Just believe that Jesus came, died, that he rose again, and you ask him to be the, the Lord, which is the divine leader of your life. Lord is not his name, it's his leadership function that he owns you, and by right of ownership, he gets to dictate everything that happens in your life. If that's you, you'd like to to go through this and pray with us for that to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Would you show me that by raising your hand? Jesus' name. See your hand. Hallelujah. All right. Second appeal. Um Maybe you you are a believer, but you've allowed hurts, hindrances and habits to get in the way, or the Lord really dealt with you about your own leadership capacity. And you're, you were challenged, you were pricked, you were motivated to increase in leadership today. If that's you, show me that by raising your hand. Amen, amen. Praise God. I know even, even when I teach this stuff, Like the apostle Paul said, I have not apprehended it all right. And so that's okay. The thing is that you're still in the game and we can go forward and still experience the increase that God has for us. Third appeal and we got just two more. Third appeal is maybe you're a believer, but you haven't experienced the baptism or infilling of the Holy spirit. In our background, we called it the difference between salvation and sanctification. It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and makes you and gives you the empowerment you need to live a holy life. That empowerment comes with the language that comes from heaven. That's the way we teach it. Not everybody says that's necessary. I don't understand it, but we do teach it that way for very specific reasons. If that's you, you're praying and believing God that he would empower you with this baptism of the Holy Spirit and would you just raise your hand and we'll just pray with you on that as well in Jesus' name. I see your hands. I see your hands. I'll put your hands down. And then finally, 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 I'd love to be your man of God. I believe that God has given this kingdom community as a specific place, as a specific environment where you can find the destiny path of God and where that amazing plan for your life that's in you in seed form, that this is an environment where that can emerge i love to just talk to you about membership in Destiny Generation Church, this process, but it's not meant to be something that's so hard that you can't get into it. Just meant so that you understand the commitments and the steps of it, that you understand what's expected of you. If that's you, you wanna have some interest and we'll just talk to you after the service is over. Can you show me that by raising your hand in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, come on, let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I believe God raised you from the dead just for me. Thank you for receiving me into your royal family. Heavenly Father, you said that as your child, if I asked you, you would give me the gift of your precious Holy Spirit. I ask now, I believe I receive it, and I fully expect to speak with other tongues as your Spirit gives me utterance. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I'm experiencing increase through faith in my personal leadership development. I believe that you created within me leadership capacity. As my leadership increases, I will influence others. I will affect others for good, for God. And as I do so, I believe with my pastor that our church will move forward and touch the world. We believe this and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and clap right there. Hallelujah. Lady Nedra's coming. You can be seated. Hallelujah. She'll do our announcements.